revelation of himself to us. And uh, it begins in Genesis uh, at uh, the creation of, of the world and, and of uh, man in particular. And, uh, and, and God created man because he wanted to be in a relationship, in a, in a relationship with you and I. And it began with Adam and Eve. And when God created Adam and Eve, God gave Adam and Eve the choice as to choose God, love God, or um, choose his own path. And as God gave man the, the freedom to choose, we know the story, man chose his, his own path. And that's when sin entered the world and uh, our relationship with, with God was cut off. And so the rest of the Bible um, is about God's rescue mission of God's plan that uh, he's going to put into place to uh, redeem man back to himself. And it culminates in the greatest gift uh, man could ever receive. When God himself, through his son, Jesus Christ, came into the world and uh, lived the life that you and I couldn't live and died, um, died on the cross, suffered the wrath of God that we uh, deserved. And, And as Christians, if we'll just believe that story, if we will just believe in who Jesus said he was and that Jesus did everything for us. We believe by faith. The Bible says that we become not, we're not just no longer just God's creation, but we become God's children. And it is all about what God has done for us. That's the gospel. The gospel isn't about what we can do to earn our salvation or to find favor with God. The gospel is all about believing in all that God has done for us. And God went to incredible lengths to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us. Why did God do everything for us? All we have to do is believe. It's because he wants to get the glory. It's all about God. God is not going to give his glory to anyone else. It all belongs to him. In, In Isaiah chapter 48 verse 11 God says this through the prophet Isaiah says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profane? For how should my name be profane? My glory, I will not give to another. It's all about what he has done for us. And over and over in the Old Testament, 
God reminds his, his people, Israel, this is what I have done for you. This is what I did in the beginning. This is how I rescued you from Egypt. This is what I have provided you for. And it's the gospel story in the Old Testament. Believing God's promises. Believing what he's done for us. And he did it all in the Old Testament. And we see it again in the New. Because God wants us to know that there's nothing in us that we can boast about. There's nothing about who we are that we can pat ourselves on the back. It is simply the grace of God. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. And Paul, Paul spells this out in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 15. I'm glad we're kind of all in one service this morning. I... I uh, I feel like uh, I don't have to rush through anything and I can just uh, share with you this morning. But um, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Again, God has done it all so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. God has predestined us. God has chosen us. God has has adopted us. God has done, he's lavished all of his grace upon us so that we might be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Folks, it is all about God. When God created us, God put in us a need to worship him. And in the very beginning, Adam and Eve had no problem with that. As they chose God, 
as they chose fellowship with to commune with God, um, there was this there was this special relationship, and and they worshipped the God of their Creator. But when they rebelled, rather than worshiping God, man wanted to begin to worship the things that he could create. Worship the things that he could see, that he could touch. And those things, these, these things have become our object of worship. But God created us with the need to worship. And if you go to any place around the world, people are worshiping something. Uh, in a lot of third world countries, you'll see a lot of man-made idols that people bow down to. Here in the United States, you don't see those kinds of, of, of objects here in the United States. But people still worship. They worship their boats. They worship their football teams. Uh, you know, they, they worship a relationship. They pour, all, you know, they pour their time and energy into something to worship because it fills, it fills a void in their heart, but unfortunately, that uh, that filling is only temporary. It doesn't last forever, and then we have to go on to something else. But God has created us with a need to worship. But bottom line, God wants us to worship Him and Him alone. And God has done all these things for us so that he might get the glory, so that we might praise him. Now, that doesn't go over very well with some folks. When they hear that, they think, man, isn't he kind of a selfish God? That he wants all this praise and adoration uh, to be directed to him? Is God narcissistic? You know, does he need our worship? Why is he so absorbed in himself? That doesn't sound like a very loving God. That's not the kind of God that I want to worship. Does God need our worship? We're going to answer that question in just a moment. But uh, people stumble over the, over this issue because they see God as rather uh, selfish, wanting all the glory himself. And the reason why people stumble with this is, uh, number one, you know, we don't like to hang out with people who like to brag about themselves, do we? You know, those those people that are, are always one-up, who want to be one-up on, on you. And uh, life kind of revolves around them. Uh, we don't like those kinds of people. And the second reason why we, 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 we stumble over this idea of God being narcissistic is um, it doesn't sound very loving. You know, people who are into themselves, um, it's all about them. Uh, they live rather self-centered lives. And uh, 
And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, uh, love doesn't seek its own. And so, you know, that seems like that's kind of contradictory in terms of who God is and how, and how important our worship of Him is. So the question is this. Is God for Himself? Or is God for us? And God is for us. You know, as we look at the cross, we look at the life of Christ and how he left heaven's glory and clothed himself in human flesh. Experience everything you and I experience without the sin. Uh, we 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 see the effort the that and the the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, and we see how Jesus gave up everything, uh, his very life, um, for our sin, and we see the cost it's, it, it, the cost that Christ went through. And yes, God was for us; He came as Himself. And died in our place. God is for us. And we understand that through his suffering. But God wants you to see this morning. And me to see this morning. That God is also for us. Through our suffering. God wants us to see and know his glory through the hard stuff that we go through. I want to point you to a passage of scripture this morning. John chapter 11. You're very familiar with John, with this, uh, this text. This is uh, Jesus' good friend, Lazarus. He is uh, sick. He's ill. Uh, Mary and Martha are concerned about their brother. And so uh, they know that Jesus would be concerned. And so they get word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Instead of letting me tell you the story, let me read the first six verses this morning. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary. And her sister Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And we know the story that when Jesus finally got to Bethany. Lazarus had already died. In fact, he had been dead for four days. 
But Jesus says something uh, very peculiar in verse 4. He says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. There's three things that we can learn through this, this text this morning. Number one is this. Jesus chose Lazarus to die. Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to die and he was in no hurry. It was never Jesus' intention to spare the family from grief. That's the first thing we see about this this the situation, this text. The second thing we see this, and Jesus' motivation in all of this was the glory of God. Yes, he was concerned about his friend Lazarus. Yes, he loved Lazarus. Yes, he loved Mary and Martha. But Jesus' main motivation in his delay and Lazarus' death was the glory of God. And number three, this this delay, God's glory were expressions of God's and Jesus' God the Father, God the Son's love for Lazarus and his sisters. God wanted to show his glory through suffering. Now, church, Christian, that is not an easy pill to swallow, is it? Mary and Martha didn't understand it. They were disappointed. They were frustrated that Jesus didn't get there earlier. But the reason why we complain, the reason why we we have a hard time understanding this text or don't want to accept this text is because we put, we value a pain-free, grief-free life over the glory of God. That's what we value more. We don't want to have experience pain. We don't want to suffer. And we protect ourselves from that. And Jesus didn't protect the family from the grief they were about to go through. And God's motivation was that they see and believe the glory of God. Now for a lost world, for a skeptic, for an atheist, that's why we don't that, that's why they reject God. That they don't believe that there's a God. Because a, a God who really truly loves wouldn't allow people to suffer and experience pain. Church, this life 
isn't it. The pain-free, suffering-free life is what is yet to come. And the reason why we have all these things today is because man had rebelled against God and God and man has chosen his way over God's way. But for those who believe, those who walk in Christ-like maturity, understand this text. It's not about them. It's not about me. It's about a God who we are to glorify in spite of any circumstance. We see this in another passage of Scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. <clears throat> Let me just, let's turn there. If you were, uh, if you're doing a life group, starting next month, we are going to be doing a, a sermon-based um, uh, life groups. And so the uh, life group studies will be based upon uh, that weekend's message. And so um, if you were in a life group and meeting this week, uh, you would be studying this text uh, this week. But um, this is where Paul um, has has a thorn in the flesh, something that uh, Paul has been struggling with for years. And this is what he says in verses 7 through 10. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that uh, God had shown Paul, a thorn was giving me, given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from be- becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What did Paul learn? Paul learned that even in his, in his suffering, in his unanswered prayers, Paul was to continue to make much of God and little of himself. He was to value the the glory and the strength of who God was, who Christ was in his life, rather than his own abilities. Give all glory to God. We are to be make much of him. And so going back to the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, that's what, that's what God wanted Martha and Mary and Lazarus to know that, that, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And this was a foreshadow of what was going to happen very shortly when Jesus was going to die and come back from the grave. They, this, was a, this was just a little taste of what was going to happen in Jesus' life. And Jesus wanted them to believe 
that he was the resurrection and the life. To see his glory. To know who he is. Look at verse... um, Verse 40 of John chapter 11. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? It took the death of their brother for them to know and see the glory of God and what God and God alone can do. God wants us to know these things. God wants us to see his glory through our suffering. So my question to you this morning, do you value his glory over your pain and disappointment? You're complaining more about your pain and your suffering. Guess what? That's what you value more. And Jesus didn't spare the family from that because they wanted them to know and see who Jesus really is. And that's what God wants to instill in our life. It's all about glorifying God. Now, Again, are we worshiping a narcissistic God? Is he that so consumed about himself that he can't help us in our time of need? No, he is for you. And he loves you. And he knows that worshiping him is the best thing that can happen in our life. Because what happens when we worship things other than Him? And how do you know you worship other things? Because when you're spending more time with those things, more of your energy, more of your money, more of your time, more of your thoughts, when you're consumed by other things that are more important than God, guess what? You're worshiping those things. And God knows that those things don't last. Those things are only temporary and then you got to go on to something else. It never fills the void. And God created you, God created me to be all about Him. It's only Him that can fill the void permanently. And unfortunately, we live in this fallen world and and. There'll be times where we're consumed about God and there's, there'll be, there'll be wonderful moments. I remember one time at uh, Anaheim Stadium when Promise Keepers was uh, really big back in the late 80s. We were, I was in a stadium filled with 55,000 other men. And, uh, we were all worshiping simultaneously. We were, all those guys were so enthusiastic about uh, that that time of worship. I've never been to a sporting event where the we were sitting right under the the second level, and I kid you not, the second level was going like this. We were thinking, man, what that thing could collapse on us. But uh, people, the guys, they were just jumping up and down, uh, uh, 
they had a beat going, okay? And, uh, but they were so enthusiastic. I've never seen men that enthusiastic at a football game or a baseball game before. But that atmosphere was electric. And it was so exciting. And it was just a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. You know, some of you have been to women of faith. And I'm sure the, the, the worship is electric there in those, those arenas as simultaneously you're lifting up voice unto the Lord. And how glorious that is. Our youth are going to state youth conference or leaving tomorrow. They're going to get a little taste of heaven as people simultaneously, students simultaneously lift their voices unto the Lord. And when we have those moments, how glorious those moments are. And we are so full of God. And church, one day, that feeling, that experience is going to last forever and ever and ever. And it's never going to get boring. And God knows that that, is, that he is the only person who can fill that void. Who brings the fullness of joy to our life. And so it's not about God. God wants us to worship him. Because he created you to worship him. And he knows that this is the best, very best thing that can happen in your life. Mm. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. We're almost done here. Psalm 16, 11. psalmist says this, you make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is the fullness of joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And when we when we come to church and we don't just go through the motions This is what I'm supposed to do. But when we put our heart into it, we're here to glorify him. And we've, we've, we've known him. We've experienced him. We've spent time with him throughout the week. There's a fullness of joy when we join in that celebration with other people in his presence. You know, when something good is happening in our life, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We're not experiencing the fullness of our joy in the moment if, if there's no one to share it with. I mean, we want to share it with others. They're not here this morning, and I didn't get permission to do this, but... Uh, <laughs> 
many of you know uh, Russell and Caitlin. Um, they're uh, an engineering couple that met each other. Um, they, they've, they lived elsewhere in the country but moved to Ridgecrest and met each other in our church. Uh, fall, fell in love. And uh, Russell proposed to uh, Caitlin a few weeks ago. In fact, I think we have a picture of the couple up here. That's Russell and Caitlin. You should have seen Caitlin. Uh, I guess it had to have been the day after the proposal when the office was open. But she had the biggest smile on her face in the office. And you just knew something was up. And she, you know, everybody she came in contact with, she wanted them to know that she was engaged. You know, and she was so excited about that. And as she told it time after time, guess what? There was a fullness of joy because she was able to share it with other people. Um, it was so cool the way Russell proposed to, to Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin had asked Russell if, if, uh, if uh, he would be willing to make her a, um, a bookcase. And he said he would. And this is how Russell proposed to Caitlin. <clears throat> you can't read that there. But, but Russell scratched, he engraved in the wood, Caitlin, will you marry me? And so that is a picture of uh, her hand with the ring on with the words, will you marry me? What, isn't that a creative idea? You know, I'm, I'm, I haven't asked Russell this, but I'm wondering if he got the idea from Pinterest. <laughs> I kind of doubt it. He's a kind of a guy's guy. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, that piece of furniture is going to be an heirloom for generations to come. You know, I see generations of children coming behind them, grandchildren, fighting over that piece of furniture. But she posted that on Facebook. Why didn't she post that on Facebook? Because she, there was joy in her heart and she wanted to tell everybody what was happening between the two of them. And as they shared, there's a fullness of joy. Church, As we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, there's a fullness of joy that is to be had that God knows that is the very best for His, our life, that will last for eternity. And God wants us to experience this here and now. Yes, it's all about him. And God has done these amazing things for us. And God has done it. And God has done it alone. So that he might be worshipped. That he might be praised. That he might be glorified. But he gave so much to us. So that we could see these things. God's not in it just for himself. He's for 
every one of us. Even in the times of suffering. So where are you this morning? How was your Christmas? Was it a little lonely this year? Was there an empty chair? Were you consumed by things that weren't happening in your home? Like Asaph? God wants you to know his glory. And if he didn't spare the family that he loved, he's not going to spare you. Because he loves you. And he wants us to know that it's not about you. It's about him. And yes, we live in a fallen world. And we have to be patient. And in our patience, we continue to worship because it will give us the strength and the grace to persevere. In your weakness, he can make you strong. But you got to get your eyes off what's not happening and to learn to worship, to believe in the hard spots. And he will get the glory. And you will know him more intimately. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we know that you're not, you're not narcissistic. You're not self-absorbed. You only what? Want what's best for us. And that's you. God, we live in a world of so many distractions. And we put so many things and people before you. And they always lead to dead ends. But we keep doing it anyway. God, forgive us. Thank you that even in our faithlessness, you're still faithful. Help us to know and believe that you are always good. That you are our good, good Father. 
And in spite of our circumstances, God, help us to believe and to see your glory. I don't know where you're at this morning. If this message is spoken to your heart, would you just talk to God right now, right where you are? He hears you. Father, this morning, we choose to worship. May we experience the fullness of joy in lifting up your name and who you are in our life. Thank you, Father, for the gift to sing, to worship, to glorify you. In Christ's name.